Welcome to Tuesday's programme. Hope you've had a good day thus far. It is uh, the 10th of October 2023. I'm Richie Allen. I'll be taking your telephone calls, your Skypes and your WhatsApp calls shortly on today's programme. Doesn't that sound fun now? Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, but if you don't fancy calling me, you may message me. Send me a message via the website richieallen.co.uk or use the app. You can download the Richie Allen Show app via the App Store for Apple phones or if you're on Android, go to Google Play, download the Richie Allen Show app and please leave a review for it if you'd like to. I'd greatly appreciate you, so I would. As I said, it's your call today. In around about 30 minutes' time, I'm taking your phone calls and your WhatsApp calls, right? It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yes, and the details are on memes. There are memes on richieallen.co.uk. They're also on Twitter and on Facebook. Now, the WhatsApp details for the program are also on the memes, but the WhatsApp number is 075 Listen to me. It's 075-659-42270. The smart thing to do, if you fancy calling me via the medium of WhatsApp, is to send me a message to say you'd like to come on. 075-659-42270. The details. The programme this week is brought to you in association with NutraHealth365. Dot com NutraHealth365.com Prepare and maximise your immune system for this coming winter. NutraHealth365.com Just gone two minutes past the hour of five as the Labour Party's in Liverpool for the Labour Party Conference. Their annual conference, Keir Starmer, speaking, given the keynote address, said his leadership, under his leadership, the United Kingdom will get its future back. Yeah, but he warned the result of the next general election was far from a foregone conclusion. He labelled the Tories dangerous, that's a quote, said they'll be up for the fight, that's a quote, and that they are always out to save their own skins, and this isn't over, and that is a quote. There was a rocky start to the conference today. So there was, yes. No, no, Mr. T didn't come in and say anything. A, 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 a protester, a protester ran on the stage just as he was about to commence the speech and threw glitter all over him. An environmental protester, a climate evangelical, I think. After he was removed, Starmer said, if he thinks that bothers me, he doesn't know me. Am I bothered? Said Starmer. Would you like to hear the very moment when the invader invaded the stage? Have a listen. Thank you. Thank you, conference. Thank you, conference. True democracy is citizen-led. Politics needs an update. We demand a people's house. We demand a people's house. We are in crisis. We are in crisis. 
We are in crisis. Our whole future is in jeopardy, said the protester. So he must be something to do with Just Stop Oil or Extinction Rebellion. We're in crisis. A young man, possibly a student, maybe not a student, maybe a tad uh, old to be a student, but very young in any case. Remember the good old days when young people would disrupt politicians? They would disrupt prime ministers and party leaders. Remember to demand human rights. Remember to demand an end to war to demand an end to arms trading, to demand better working conditions, the good old days. Now they disrupt political events and politicians to demand tyranny. We're in a crisis. We're going to die. Protect us. Ban us from driving. Ban us from flying. Ban us from farming. Maniacs, right? Ban food. Crazy. Starmer had plenty to say on climate change today. Here he is on the subject of the climate. Climate change is a recipe for instability. We've seen that on our TV screens all summer. Terrorism, the movement of people, criminal gangs who exploit their vulnerability. They're all challenges we must confront. And through all this, because of all this, democratic rules, democratic values, democratic certainties are under attack. A new age of insecurity with fault lines that run right through the living standards of working people. But look, as we've seen throughout our history, where there is change, there is also possibility. Possibility in industry, in winning the race for the jobs of the future. Possibility in technology, innovations like gene editing that will save countless lives. Gene editing. Possibility in four nations, standing together, no longer distracted or divided. And yeah, stop there. A lot of threats in there. A lot of invisible threats. Boogeymen and monsters out there that I need to protect you from. Climate change is a recipe for instability. We've seen that on our TV screens all summer. Terrorism, the movement of people. Movement of people, terrorism, climate change. Remember Adam Curtis? I never missed a chance to play this for you. In the past, politicians promised to create a better world. They had different ways of achieving this, but their power and authority came from the optimistic visions they offered their people. Those dreams failed, and today, people have lost faith in ideologies. Increasingly, politicians are seen simply as managers of public life. But now, they have discovered a new role that restores their power and authority. Instead of delivering dreams, politicians now promise to protect us from nightmares. Protect us from nightmares, remember this? Rescue us from dreadful dangers that we cannot see and do not understand. And the greatest danger of all is international terrorism. Well, it was international terrorism when Curtis made The Power of Nightmares, which is a wonderful series of films, but these days, of course, it's the climate collapse that has largely replaced international terrorism as the big stick to, to scare people with. Anyway, we've done that one before. Uh, Peter Mandelson was present at the Labour Party conference in Liverpool today and he told, he told GB News this. You'll hear, you'll hear the reporter first. Let me get rid of that. Listen to this. Uh, Peter Mandelson. People say to us that Keir Starmer is not Tony yeah. Blair. Now, no, is that I've, your worry about no, it? No, I said that. I said... That a bad thing? No, I said... Keir Starmer is not Tony Blair. But I said something else. 
He's the nearest thing to Tony Blair. God help us, eh? Of any leader of the Labour Party since Blair. Right. He's a mainstream politician, you know? Uh, he's completely in touch with and connected with what people are thinking in the country. I doubt it. He's c totally committed uh, to restarting the economy and he's not wobbly on defence and national yeah. security. Of course, he won't be wobbly on defence and national security and signing arms deals with despotic regimes and maybe. Do you think when Starmer eventually gets in, they might throw a war his way? Do you think that's a possibility? Uh, it's eight and a half minutes past the hour. Mandelson on Starmer. He's very like Tony Blair. Oh, that's okay then. That's all right. Lovely. He's a lovely guy. Listen, to Gaza. Very important, this. Hussam Zomlot is the Palestinian ambassador to the UK. Heads up the Palestinian mission in the UK. And you might have seen last night, he was on Newsnight. It was presented by Kirsty Wark from the Labour conference, coincidentally. I won't play you any of that interview, but he talked passionately about his own family. The Palestinian ambassador has lost six family members in the last day or two um, after the bombardment of Gaza began, right? Now, he's been on every channel, the Palestinian ambassador. Think about this. He's been on, been on every channel. He's done Sky News. I see him on Sky News yesterday. He's done the BBC. He's done LBC Radio. So seemingly it's okay to interview the Palestinian ambassador. But apparently, politicians shouldn't share any platforms with him at all. Nobody should spend any time with him. It was claimed today that the Labour Shadow Foreign Secretary, David Lammy, was going to speak with the Palestinian ambassador at a fringe Labour Party conference event. Now listen to this, dressed up as journalism. This is Sky News. So bear in mind, everybody who's interviewed the Palestinian ambassador, including Sky News. Understandably, he's the Palestinian ambassador to the UK. He's Palestine's representative in the UK. But if a politician wants to go and meet him and speak to him, that is verboten. Listen to Kay Burley on Sky News this morning. Labour's national campaign coordinator Pat McFadden has refused to answer whether the shadow foreign secretary David Lammy will appear at a fringe event at the Labour Party conference alongside the Palestinian ambassador to the UK. Um, he said the attack by Hamas on Israel had been coming Israel's way. He didn't say that at all. And this has been picked up on Twitter. She later went on to say that the Palestinian ambassador effectively said that Israel had it coming. He said no such thing. But the truth doesn't matter to Sky News, let alone Kay Burley. Anyway, it's preposterous, isn't it, that a senior Labour Party politician might be criticised or, or even threatened with losing... Listen, I don't have any time for David Lammy. Don't panic at all. It's not Lamy. This is anybody, right? But the idea that he wouldn't go and speak to the Palestinian ambassador because, well, you can't be seen on a platform with a man from Palestine who might have said that Israel should have seen it coming. This is crazy stuff. The Shadow Foreign Secretary has the same view of this as me. It's not my question, with all due respect, Mr McFadden, that's not my question. Should he sit with a man that has made these comments? The Shadow Foreign Secretary has the same... To hear the absurdity of the question, should he sit with a man who has made some comments? ...view as me, which is that this was a completely unwarranted attack, that Israel has a right to respond, to defend itself, 
and to retrieve the hostages who have done no one any harm and have been taken into the Gaza Strip against their will. Uh, and that is what will unfold now uh, as Israel responds to this completely unwarranted attack last weekend. Why won't you answer my question? Uh, because David Lammy and I... The theatre of the absurd. That is what the mainstream media has become now. I ...are of the same view of this, which is the view I've outlined three or four times. This was a completely unwarranted attack. Israel will respond to it. Uh, Just answer Hamas my question. Hamas knew that before they what launched do you think? the attack. What do you think? I think what I've said to you three or four times, which is that we stand with the people of Israel. That's what we did yesterday. Uh, we stand with... Uh, the innocent victims of this. And if, you'd, uh, if I'd asked you that question, then that the would have been the answer. That's not the question I'm asking you, Mr McFadden. Now Burley brings in a Sky News reporter so that Burley can roll her eyes, use the reporter as a prop and say, wow, it's really frustrating. This is news in 2023. Listen to this. Uh, let's get more with Mari, should we? Oh, my goodness, it's frustrating, isn't it, Mari? Wow. Yes, Kay, very frustrating. No matter how many times you asked him that question, he would not answer. He would not confirm or deny whether the Foreign Secretary, potential future Foreign Secretary, is going to be on a platform with the Palestinians. Pa Palestinian Un unbelievable this, isn't it? ...ambassador to the UK. And that really speaks of Labour's difficulty to try and make sure that they tread carefully when it comes to questions around uh, Israel and Gaza and what is happening there at the moment, considering the Labour Party history when it comes to that stain of anti-Semitism that Kirstarmer has been so, so keen to wipe out. But also, it's interesting that actually very easily the Labour Party could have cleared this up by just saying one way or another whether David Lammy would stand on that platform or not. David no, the Labour Party could have cleared it up pretty easily. Pat McFadden could have said to Burley, are you thick, madam? Are you galactically stupid? Why wouldn't our deputy, excuse me, why wouldn't our shadow foreign secretary want to meet the Palestinian ambassador or go and speak to him at a fringe event? Why wouldn't he? He plans on being the foreign secretary. Maybe he's got some questions for the Palestinian ambassador about what's happening, about what might be going to happen in the next few weeks. This idea that he shouldn't go and be seen with the Palestinian ambassador because the Palestinian ambassador might have made some comments about Israel. It is absurd, as I've said for the third time. And I know more about this than anybody. Censorship through guilt by association. You know, the idea that appearing with someone, anyone, indicates or implies that you completely align with their worldview. Isn't that disgusting? I like to think, and I don't brag, and this isn't me bragging, but I was the first one to really experience this. I was certainly the first journalist to experience it, you know, where people were scared off the programme because of my previous guests. You shouldn't go on the Richie Allen show, the Conservative Party whip told Conservative Party MPs. Why? Because of some of the guests he had on in the past. The implication being, again, as I said, that if you do go on, you are in agreement with every one of the 2,000 guests who've been on the programme over the last nine years. And that's what was going on today. Should David Lammy share a platform with the Palestinian ambassador in light of the comments he made? Well, yeah. Yeah, why not? Maybe I'd like to speak to him about his comments, maybe. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I'd like to inquire as to how prepared Gaza might be or not for the onslaught that's coming. 
the military-industrial complex jackboot that's going to descend upon it. You know, maybe. McFadden is a weasel, isn't he? Pat McFadden, National Campaign Coordinator for Labour. What a weasel. I'd have torn Burley a new arsehole. She'd never again have gone on television after I got done with her. What's wrong with you, you ginger cretin? Of course I'm going to meet the Palestinian ambassador. Jesus wept. Anyway, Jesus didn't so much weep as he rolled around the ground kicking and screaming. One of the most famous hotel chains in the world, the Hilton Hotel, which Paris Hilton will inherit one day, won't she? <laughs> Lovely. Um, the Hilton it has become the first UK hotel chain to add carbon labels to its menus. Carbon labels. So if you go to a Hilton Hotel, if you stay there, or if you dine there, when you get the menu, each item on the menu, right, Beef Wellington, I doubt there'll be any Beef Wellington on there, deep fried, whatever, it will have a, a message alongside it telling you exactly how much CO2 went into producing your meal. <laughs> the Daily Mail around this is an exclusive today. According to the Mail Online, whether this will make it easier to order or leave you mulling over whether a steak is worth the extra carbon cost, the Hilton hopes the initiative will help customers make more environmentally friendly choices. Wow. Menus in almost 30 hotels across the UK will show the carbon footprint per serving alongside nutritional information such as the calorie count. So now, rather than the, rather than the chef spit on your steak because you've ordered it well done, which, which, which does happen and has happened, now the chef will spit on your steak just because you've ordered a steak. You planet, you climate-murdering bastard, you. He's ordered the steak, has he? Medium rare. Spit on it. Yeah. Mad times these, aren't they? Um, menu items will be rated as having low, medium or high carbon emissions based on their total carbon footprint. Christoph Kone. Christoph Kone. I have no idea. He co-founded Climato, which is a green tech startup. And they've produced the ratings for the Hilton. He said early findings suggest the introduction of the system has led a shift in behaviour. A shift in behaviour. With low and medium carbon footprint dishes proving particularly popular. Imagine if this catches on. And you go to a restaurant, any restaurant, if it catches on. And you are guilt tripped into ordering something you don't want to eat. Because it has less of a carbon footprint. And because you're terrified the chef might spit on your steak or throw it around the floor before serving it to you. Jesus. Mad stuff, eh? I tell you who loves this. A mad woman representing PETA called Jennifer White. The PETA is people for the ethical treatment of animals. I have nothing against them. Because I like animals to be treated ethically. But PETA have seen a window of opportunity here to save a few animals. So Jennifer White likes this. She was on Good Morning Britain this morning. Well, we know that locally sourced meat has a higher carbon footprint than imported vegan foods from across the world. And Nobody challenges this bullshit. So locally produced meat, meaning on a farm in the city where you had the meat, right? On a farm in a city where you're in a restaurant in a city and they, they've gotten the... Jesus, Richie. I, I, you know, 
I'm only five and a half weeks in. Yes, locally produced meat. So if you're in a restaurant, they'll often tell you that they get all of their produce locally from a local butcher or a local farmer. Now this mad woman, who sounds very Irish, is saying that locally produced stuff has meat has a higher carbon footprint than importing vegan products. That cannot be true, surely, right? Yeah? I know that locally sourced meat has a higher carbon footprint than imported vegan foods from across the world. And it's because animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change. But by having these carbon labels on... Imagine that. Animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change. Listen to that fucking bullshit again. Just listen. Ed Balls, Yvette Cooper's husband, the idiotic the utterly intellectually redundant Ed Balls, the idiot who went on Strictly Come Dancing. He's sitting alongside a woman called Susanna, and they allow this. Agriculture is the leading cause of climate change, but by having these carbon labels on menus, um, it's making people think twice about the impact that their dietary choices are having on the environment. You're getting guilt trip now. And that is a great thing. And no, it isn't. And I really think it will help people, you know, instead of getting that beef burger, they'll get the vegan burger. It doesn't have to just be the steamed vegetables. The vegan Yeah, because they'll be scared the chef or one of the waitresses or somebody will do something to the food. That's how crazy it is, because it's young people working in restaurants. He ordered the burger, did he? That fucker. Spit on it there, John. It's mad, isn't it? Vegan burger on there is a great option. No, it's not. What about Aldo Zilli, the chef Aldo? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's an idea. <laughs> yes. It's an idea, uh, and uh, the Hilton chain is a big chain, so it must be, uh, for them, you know, a good idea. Would it make you change but your for choices? Us, for us chefs, mm. and for the way that we run restaurants, mm. we run restaurants for, to give people experiences of coming out with what's going on in the world. You go out to a restaurant to enjoy yourself. Um. You want to order without looking. I mean, we give enough information, I think, where the beef has come from. Uh -huh. We source locally. Us chefs are very, very keen on sourcing food from local areas where we are. Mileage, we do all of that. Mm. But now the carbon footprint as well, we have to put that on the menu. You know, we have to put dietary th things on the menu. The calories, allergens yes. Allergens on the menu. Yeah. It's so much paperwork. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun in the future getting a, a menu, isn't it? Receiving a menu from a waitress or a waiter. It'll be so much fun. There'll be so much information on the menu, you know, about calories and all sorts of stuff. And now carbon footprint and climate change. What a lovely experience it promises to be in the future. 23 minutes past the hour. Should I leave that alone, should I? And read a couple of your messages. Before I do that, the programme this week is brought to you in association with my friends at NutraHealth365.com. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Lovely. It's 24 minutes past the hour. Now, let me read some of your messages. Darren says... 
It clearly shows how the mainstream media openly tries to manipulate the current news agenda being discussed to run in parallel lines with the crisis being created. Darren, read it out loud before you press send. Read it out loud before you press send. I say that to everybody who has downloaded the app and is very excited at how easy it is to send a message straight through to me. Read it out loud. That makes no sense, Darren. None whatsoever. I have no idea what you're talking about. And therefore, I can't deal with it, right? I'm in very good form. But I've said this too many times. So what I'm going to do is, if I repeatedly receive messages from the same people that are indecipherable, I'm just not going to open your messages in future. It's as simple as that, right? Ardell says, I would order every high carbon footprint item on the menu. (laughs) Yes, Mel says, is this what the government calls nudging? It is, Mel. This is about changing behaviour. Didn't the guy from Climatico or whatever the name of the company is, the, the people who are providing these carbon ratings for menus, didn't he say it's already proven to work, that people are ordering medium or low carbon footprint choices from the menu, and not the steaks and the venison and all of that? Crazy. Ian says, if the food at the Hilton is still emitting CO2, it needs to go back on the skillet. Boom, boom. Grace Ann says, Richie, isn't it funny how everyone has an opinion on what's happening in Israel, yet I wonder how many actually know the true history behind it all? You're right, Grace Ann, most people don't know. Most people couldn't tell you about the Ottoman Empire. Most people couldn't tell you about how the Ottoman Empire came to its end. They couldn't tell you about the accords signed between France and Britain, the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which is illegal under international law. It's basically where the French... And the Brits basically carved up the Ottoman Empire and said, you get a bit of this and we'll get a bit of that. And this is the way it goes. If anybody had any claim over Palestine back then, it was Turkey, if anybody. People don't know this. The Balfour Declaration, null and void under international law. Palestinians Palestinians have a presence in that part of the world for 3,000 years or more. I say indigenous. It seems to piss some people off. I don't care. They are the indigenous people of the region. It's their land, right? The Israeli settlers are basically nothing but itinerants, right? Itinerants, and there is a difference between itinerants, between travellers and between knackers. You're not supposed to say knacker because it's a derogatory term. It's been outlawed in Ireland. I've met travellers. They're lovely people. Loads of them, by the way, through my work over the years, media work. The cleanest people with the greatest kids, lovely kids. And I've met knackers who rock up to a place, take it over, right, do whatever they want, turn it into an absolute dump. And that's what the Israeli settlers did, or the Israeli, um, the the Zionists who uh, took over Palestine based on the Balfour Declaration at the end of the Second World War. The Balfour Declaration came much earlier than that, of course, I know. No, people don't know their history. They don't. They do not. And a lot of people watching the news today, because the news never covers the atrocities committed by the Israeli government and its army in Gaza and in Israel against the Palestinians and others, because it is never covered by the media, most younger people don't have a clue. They haven't a clue. No idea. You know, they couldn't tell you about the Stern gang, the Haganah. They couldn't tell you about 700,000 Palestinians murdered or kicked out of uh, Palestine uh, following um, uh, post-1947. They couldn't tell you any of that. 
And I wonder at times, is it worth my while telling anybody that? Listen, here are the contact details. Before I give you the phone and Skype details, WhatsApp is 075-659-42270. Why not send me a message on WhatsApp to tell me you'd like to come on and speak with me, and then I'll have a bit of an orderly queue. 075-659-42270. Here's the phone and Skype details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. I'd like people who've never called in before to call in today, please. And I'd like to hear from some ladies. Are there any women here today? I'd like to hear from some ladies. John Cleese has got a new show starting, doesn't he? On GB News. He's very excited about it. Basil Faldy. So the WhatsApp again is, have you got a pen? 075-659-42270. If you're outside the UK, plus 4475-659-42270. And those details can be found on the Facebook for The Richie Allen Show and my Twitter, Richie Allen, at BBG Richie on Twitter. Thank you for your messages. You're very good. Hi to Isabel, who says, first of all, restaurants begin indicating the carbon footprint on the menu items. Then we'll see the prices of the highest carbon footprint dishes rocket. Then the supermarkets will follow. It'll be financially punitive. This is how it'll work, says Isabel. That's a very smart comment. Absolutely. Eventually, your steak, your venison, I don't know. I've only ever had steak, really, in restaurants. I don't go to very many restaurants these days. Steak or fish, really. Steak, fish. Maybe fish will become incredibly expensive as well. Maybe you'd like to talk to me about some of these things on the phones shortly. Matt says, Richie, Matt from South Wales, have you heard the news that Strady Park in, sorry, Strady Park Hotel in Clenetley, which has been the centre of a 100-day battle to prevent the Home Office from filling it with 250 immigrants has now been confirmed by the Home Office they will no longer be placing immigrants at this hotel. Thank you, Matt. So, Strady Park Hotel had been earmarked for 250 immigrants. The locals stood up to it. The Home Office has announced that this fine hotel will not now be housing immigrants. A huge congratulations, says Matt, to all who gave their time to protest against this and have faced constant tyranny from the local police. Diffed Powis Police, he says. The people have won. People power stopped it. Us Welsh will not buckle, says Matt. Thank you, Matt. Sarah says, Richie, I have B12 deficiency, autoimmune, and as we get B12 from meat products, dairy products, fish, etc., we will have an explosion of B12 deficiency, which is very dangerous if you know what B12 is needed for in your body. Good shout, Sarah. No doubt, though, that they'll have a job for that. We have a job that will help keep your B12 levels at optimum they might say and says do they really think we're all that gullible i just go for high carbon for the hell of it says Anne. i don't look at any of that old rubbish including the calorie count thank you and the contact details once more before i take a tune the phone and skype 
It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Uh, you're very good. You're very good for talking to me. The programme this week brought to you in association with NutraHealth365.com. Get on the website, get your immune system. Get it rocketing uh, for this coming winter. It's great to be with you. I want to hear from you. Talk to me, please. Talk to the BBG. Talk to the BBG. This is some sort of radio hypnosis now. Talk to the BBG. Parts run free, 25 minutes to 6 o'clock. The Richie Allen Show, Tuesday's edition. You are listening to the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. Thank you for making it so. Really appreciate you. Don't forget now, you can send me a message on WhatsApp, right? Let me just get rid of old Candy there. Come on, Candy. On your boy class. Um, last time, the phone details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Talk to Richie now. It says, and for the final time, because this stuff is all memed, it's memed up, right? It's 075659 And while I take in my first call, I'm going to get through another few comments. Claire says, Rich. Can you imagine how big the menus will be? A couple of pages devoted to what's available and then hundreds of pages listing all the allergens, carbon, footprint, etc. Says Claire, they'll have to wheel in an overhead projector, Claire. (laughs) Is what they'll have to do. And put it on the ceiling instead of on the wall. An overhead projector. Hi, I'm your maitre d'. Have a look on on the ceiling there. (laughs) Look up there and you'll see what's on offer this evening, including all the allergen information and all the carbon footprint information too. Make no mistake about it, that will catch on. You know, that's not just the eccentricity on behalf of the Hilton. That will undoubtedly catch on. Lucy says, B12 is already an injectable, Richie. Of course it is. I know that. I know you can request one or sometimes a doctor might say, I think you're deficient in iron. But um, what I'm saying is they might go all out on it. And maybe it might have something else in it, is all I'm saying. And maybe I shouldn't say that. Katie says we should vote with our feet. Boycott restaurants. The ones that do this carbon menu rating shit, says Katie. And remember to let them know. Thank you, Katie. And Cookie says, I caught up with some older programs yesterday. Uh, I recommend a book by Lee Watts. A book called A Stone's Throw. And it's about the troubles in Northern Ireland. Pedro says, Richie. Okay, Pedro, thanks for that. Don says, before 1977, both Jews and Palestinians lived in harmony in Palestine. I would say relative, Don. But I'm with you. Relative. I wouldn't say it was always hunky-dory. But relative is what I uh, would say. Uh, Good evening, Johnny. Um, Thank you, Johnny. Uh, Yes, I I am. He references the P.O. Box. There is a P.O. Box for the programme. To find out the P.O. Box address, go to richieallen.co.uk, where it says support your show. Support your show. You'll find P.O. Box details. That's a snail mail address for the programme. If you'd like to reach out to me that way, okay? Okay, Gail says, Richie, good evening. For thousands of years, humans have eaten meat. For the last 100 years or so, we've had processed food. Look at the problems caused by that. Yes, indeed. Wonderful. 
Um, and somebody is saying to me, when you send a message on WhatsApp, uh, sorry, when you send a message on the app using a phone, after the four, first four lines of text, you cannot see what your text says, so you have to hope it's coming out correctly. I think that's what's happening. Well, I send test messages all the time to make sure it's working, and I've never seen that, but I will uh, check it out. Thank you. Um, Marco says, Sarah might be wrong about B12. Meat eaters will also be deficient with B12 due to the, steri- due to the sterilization in how food is made. So even if you're eating meat, you'll find a deficiency in B12 as possible. It doesn't just come from the animals, but from the streams and water we use to drink and the soil, which has been destroyed due to how food is grown these days, sprayed with chemicals. Vegans and meat eaters should take B12 supplements along with vitamin D and zinc, says Marco. And Kevin says, Richie, in regards to Israel unleashing hell on Gaza, I imagine if the British started bombing the Jesus out of areas of Belfast in retaliation for IRA bombings in London it's totally outrageous says Kevin yes okay contact details then taking your telephone calls your phone calls your Skypes and your WhatsApp between now and the end of the programme today for the final time here are the details it's your call Skype chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018 if you're calling from overseas it's plus 44161 818 2018 talk to Richie now and Spinners uh, posting on the website says if the level of security uh, which the Labour Party offers its own leader is anything to go by then God help our national security if Starmer is our next PM a lot of people saying that today um, lot of lot of surprise, real surprise at the fact the environmental. We're assuming he's an environmental protester. Was able to get through the security and then walk because he didn't run. He walked to the side of the stage, walked on the stage, and even as he approached Starmer, he wasn't running. He was walking before anybody grabbed him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, look, we can ask the question anyway. We can pose the question: What's going on? Diane says Hilton Group. Tick off my list, she says. Jenny says, the biggest cause of climate change isn't CO2, isn't agriculture, but the sun. It is cyclical. It has always happened. And as long as this planet exists, it always will, says Jenny. Appreciate that. Baird asks, can someone explain to me why animal agriculture or meat production is so bad for the environment? Um, has a high carbon footprint or any of these things. The claims are never explained by any of these maniacs on the media. Well, they, they do attempt to explain them, but not in any great depth. The claim about agriculture is is that, um, obviously, animals, by their existence, by their breathing in and out, and by going for their number twos, uh, produce a lot of CO2, right? That's what they say. Right, um, feeding those animals um, is done, sorry, create feeding the animals obviously, no not obviously, they say creates a lot of CO2. Uh, driving the stuff around um, to market and selling it um, creates a lot of CO2. This is what they say, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version of, uh, of it. I keep those messages coming in. I think there's something wrong. This happened last time, and then I fixed it, and it was all right again. But I had a good look at it before I opened the phones. Everything I think is working, because, again, I've had a message from somebody saying they're trying to get through, uh, but they can't. I don't understand that, because all is good here. 
all is good. The bills are paid, you see. The phone bill has been paid. The internet bill has been paid. Otherwise, I wouldn't be speaking with you. So I'll take a tune. I'll try and figure it out for you. And when I come back, I'll be taking your telephone calls. How does that sound? It sounds good to me. On Tuesday's programme... Right, music from the Water Boys and the Hole of the Moon on the Richie Allen Show. I have a brief, a brief, I have a small uh, communication issue here at the moment and I cannot seem uh, to take in calls. I am kind of working on it as, as, I'm, as I'm presenting the programme, which is not ideal. But uh, for, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. Uh, apologies to those of you trying to get through. This is unusual. It's very unusual. Um, you might have heard me, me crash the water by song. I tried to um, dial myself a moment ago, but it, it wouldn't work. Anyway, look, um, I'll figure it out and we'll, we'll crack on. In the meantime, I'll read some more of your messages and we'll go another way. If you're new to the programme, you think it sounds fantastic. It does sound fantastic. It's very professionally produced. It is very professionally produced. But on occasion, the very rare occasion when something does go wrong, I am all on my lonesome. I don't have anybody here. There's no producer, no editor, no engineer. So that's just the way it goes. So I apologise uh, for that, okay? So I'll try and get it sorted. I'm on the phone to somebody who might be able to patch in remotely and do something for me. We'll see how that goes. But uh, those of you trying to get through, I really apologise. I know how frustrating it is. I used to be that soldier many years ago, phoning talk radio when I was a young man, a much younger man, ringing and ring, and not getting through. So apologies uh, for that. On the um, the whole issue of... First of all, the, the app, right? I'm being told that if you've downloaded the app for the Richie Allen Show, and if you've downloaded it for an Apple phone, or an iPhone, I should say, an iPhone, right? Um, there is an issue with scrolling back to read what you have typed before sending it. So apologies to anybody who might have taken offence when I was giving you stick for not reading your messages before sending them, or at least reading them out loud. Now, apparently, if you've downloaded it via Google Play for an Android phone, there is no such problem. So if you've used Google Play for Android, you can, while typing, scroll back and see what it is you've written just before pressing send. I don't know why that isn't the case with iPhones. I have an iPhone myself. I'll look into it if I can, but apologies uh, for that. So if you took offence to that, if you have an iPhone, you've um, you, you've you've got my sincerest uh, uh, apology. Okay, let's uh, go another way. Going to very quickly have a look at uh, BBC.co.uk, the Telegraph, the Times, and the Mail Online to see what's going on while we try and get this communication thing sorted out. I haven't watched the Jimmy Savile drama or docudrama on the BBC. I think it's important to to mention this. It wasn't produced by the BBC. I did read somewhere online over the last day or two. I read quite a few comments, in fact, from people saying it was outrageous for the BBC to be making a docudrama, right? Which is a, a, a dramatisation of real events where Steve Coogan, in this case, plays the apparently record-breaking pedophile Jimmy Savile, right? Uh, but but the BBC didn't produce it. It was produced by ITV Television. And it's going out on the BBC. I don't understand. Do you understand that? 
Does anybody know why? I don't know why. But there's been a lot of controversy about this. Uh, Hayden Hewitt, who you might have heard on the programme last night, great guy, and is making great films. I'm not just saying that because I love the guy. He's making great films. He's seen the first episode and believes that Coogan's portrayal of Savile is exceptional. That, that's what he's tweeted out today. In any case, um, he's been praised as Coogan, according to the BBC, for his portrayal of Savile after the first drama, first episode even, of The Reckoning went out on Monday. It depicts the life of the notorious presenter who was revealed to be a pedophile and sex offender. Best known for playing Partridge, of course, Coogan. Uh, his performance was described by The Guardian as chillingly brilliant. But this is a horrific tale most of us already know. And the BBC's depressing drama adds little of value, according to The Guardian review. Did you see it last night, dear listener? Did you watch it today? Have you something to tell me about it? Um, Savalu died in 2011, aged 84, used his celebrity status to prey on hundreds of people, male and female, many of them minors. Rumours and allegations about his behaviour followed him for decades, but only after his death did his abuse become publicly known. Yeah. Lucy Mangan gave a three-star review, said it captures the charm and creepy depravity of the notorious abuser, but overall it achieves nothing but leaving the viewer feeling depressed and unenlightened, she added, especially given that several Savile documentaries already exist, including two made by Louis Theroux. One uh, Theroux made when Savile was alive, didn't he? Where he followed him around for a bit. Theroux was making a series of documentaries about about eccentric characters, wasn't he? He was with Chris Eubank, wasn't he? He was with Paul McGee and, sorry, Paul McGee, Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee and he was with uh, Neil and Christine Hamilton as part of that series. He spent time with Savile. It was creepy enough. I mean, I knew nothing about Savile. You know, it came as a pretty, it came as a pretty big shock to me when Jimmy Savile died that that he had, he had did he'd done these unspeakable things i knew nothing about it not a sausage i knew nothing about it and just to clear something up it's often mentioned that um david ike blew the whistle on jimmy savile he did not david ike never said a word about jimmy savile when jimmy savile was alive um i'm not remotely having a go at david um i like david and i am an admirer of his work but he never said anything about savile when savile was alive nobody did John Lydon did, maybe, didn't he? He kind of did. And there were whispers around the BBC corridors for many years. But that's the question, of course, is that will not be answered, I don't imagine. I'll have to watch to find out, watch the, the, the three episodes. If it is three, it won't be answered. Who enabled Savile, Savile to do what he did? Um, how could it be possible that the heir to the throne of Great Britain, the United Kingdom, namely Charles or Prince Charles as he was then, um, how could it be allowed? How could it not be known that Savile was a record-breaking pederast and a defiler of corpses, you know, hanging around with the future King of England um, in his inner circle, right? How could it not be known? How could those charged with protecting the crown not know what was going on? And I've said it too many times on this programme. Why was, was, was Charles not spoken to under caution or at least spoken to informally then, if under caution is a bit of a stretch. Why wasn't he spoken to informally by the Metropolitan Police? 
Charles, do you mind having a chat? Because you knew this guy very, very well. You spent a lot of time with him. We'd like to, to debrief you, if you don't mind. Maybe you heard something or saw something which might help us as we try to unravel what this guy uh, seemingly was and the crimes he seemingly committed. So um, if you've watched it, let me know what you think about it. I don't know. I don't think I will watch it, to be honest, for the reasons I've just given. It isn't going to go down uh, certain roads where you'd go down, I would go down, if we were given access to ask questions about the crimes of Jimmy Savile. It's six and a half minutes to the top of uh, the hour. Uh, to your comments again, then, uh, before we move on. Uh, Rubolo says, Russell Brand was a mate of Savile, but was he really? I mean, he interviewed Savile, didn't he? When Brand was working for BBC Radio 2, Savile was on the programme with him. I know a clip of that interview did the rounds of social media when Brand was first accused of behaving inappropriately with women. And it didn't sound great, the clip, but it, it, it was a clip in isolation. I've got to try to be fair because I don't like Russell Brand. I've never liked him. But I have to be fair and honest. Did the interview with, with, with Savile on Radio 2, did it somehow link Brand to Savile? Did it demonstrate that he was a friend of Savile's? I don't think so. I think that's being unfair. Am I missing something? Are there, is there evidence of some wider connection between Savile and Brand? Did they hang out together? Uh, Rubolo, let me know, mate, because I don't know. I do not know. Uh, Pete says, the Jimmy Savile, if you don't watch it and just listen to the audio, it sounds like Alan Partridge, in my opinion, says Pete. Listen to it without watching it, and it'll sound very much like the Alan Partridge series, says Pete. Thank you, Pete. Uh, Scott says, Richie, the protest before Starmer's speech was by a new group called People Demand Democracy. Apparently, the group is calling for an upgrade to the UK's political system. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. Now, Rich says, not all iPhones have the issue with the Richie Allen Show app. I've typed... I've typed on it and I've scrolled and it scrolls okay, says Rich. It could be your version. It could be your version. Very good. Alice says, cows, cows, prior to 1968, produced four times less methane in America because in 68 they were given antibiotics. I can't remember where I read that. So you're saying that starting in 1968, they began to medicate cows. But prior to that, they were producing less methane. Thank you, Alice. If you've got a link you can share with me, I'd really appreciate that. Lovely. G-Man says, I work for a company that provides bags for agricultural use. The work is down by around 75% now. I'm aware of 3,000 3, farms shutting down in Holland, but I don't think management is aware of it. I'm not sure how long my... Uh, employers will be able to keep going, says G-Man. Yeah, this is it. This is it. This is the problem, you see. Because it isn't just farming. It's all the offshoot industries that are going to be in dire straits as well. This is a global killer in terms of people's businesses, people's ability to earn a living, isn't it? I won't dig out the clips and play them again, but the, the Irish think tank, speaking on RTE Radio last week, you know, discussing how when... Governments begin to uh, remove revenue streams, traditional revenue streams, traditional taxation revenue streams, and they remove them because they want to destroy the industries 
those revenue streams come from, destroy those industries to stop climate collapse. Yeah, right? It's not just the industries, it's all the offshoot industries. It's zero revenue coming into governments. It's governments being told by supranational bodies like the European Union, if you don't do more to stop climate change, we'll find the bejesus out of you. It's at that point that governments say, well, we don't have any money at all to do anything, let alone pay your fines. What do you want us to do? And it's at that stage that universal basic income comes in, but comes in for nation states, is my opinion. It is my opinion and my opinion only. You can take that or leave it. That's what's going to happen, yeah. Very good, G-Man. Isn't just farming. It's everything else. It's everything else. Millie reckons that Jimmy Savile was the royal court jester. William says, big agendas always show the hand of the powers that be. It shows you the true extent of how far a reach the hidden hand has. Two big examples of this, the lockstep pandemic and the climate change carbon credits agenda. Everybody bends over and takes it. Russia, China and even Iran, says William, ultimately. Absolutely, ultimately, yes. Absolutely. And uh, there is a problem with the communications because some of you are telling me that I am not showing as available on Skype and you can't get through to me. Microsoft has done this to me, I think. And I do think it's interference. And you've never heard me claim this before because I don't do that. I'm not a truther. I'm not a martyr. But I think that's what's happened because I tried to phone the number myself and I can't phone it. I think the WhatsApp might still be available. So if you'd like to WhatsApp the program, you can do it's a Microsoft. I'm really sorry about this. There's nothing I can do about it. I am kind of beholden at the moment to Microsoft here. And it's to do with me not being able to get a hard line into the studio at the moment. So I'm using Microsoft for my phone line, essentially. And it's always been fine. But I couldn't even phone myself. So I'm really sorry about that. It isn't me. It isn't professional. But it isn't my fault. And this is a professionally produced radio show, as you well know. So if you're new to the program, don't think it's always like this. It's never like this. But I can't take phone calls. And you were queuing up. And I know uh, you were queuing up to talk about Israel, to talk about Palestine, to talk about um, climate change information on restaurant menus. Don't eat the beef burger. Because it sets its back by, 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 by 20 seconds. Every time you eat a beef burger, it takes 20 seconds more to solve the climate catastrophe. We are approaching 6 o'clock. And this is the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, and multiple platforms around the world. It's always lovely to be with you. The programme this week is sponsored by NutraHealth365.com. Get on the website now. Winter's on its way, and so are colds, flu, and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Welcome back. This is the Richie Allen Show, Tuesday's edition, the 10th of October, 2023. Before I take another uh, tune, before I get back into your uh, comments, um, I'm pretty sure that Peter Ebden 
will be back on the programme tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he will be. In fact, I think he's told me he will be. I'm really looking forward to that. And we'll be hearing uh, from a British-Palestinian academic on Thursday's programme. Busy old week, this. Lots going on. Again, I won't say it one more time after this. Sorry about the phone calls today and your frustration at trying to get through. There's nothing I can do about it at the moment. Apologies. It just isn't working. So there you are. It's one of those things. It's time for a tune, I think. It's time for a tune. So uh, drop me a line, a message even, via the app. Download the app. Do leave a review for it. Or it is richieallen.co.uk, where it says comment live. Comment live. And uh, I'll be reading your comments out when we come back. And then, of course, I'll have to go another way entirely, won't I? Indeed, I will. Back in a moment, then. Mike and the Mechanics and over my shoulder. When I started out in radio, outside broadcasts were, were all the rage. They would be sponsored by a business. So I started out working um, at WLRFM in Waterford, a very, very big and successful station. Not because I worked there. No, no, not at all. But it was hugely successful. And all bells and whistles, everything went into it. Um, hugely professional. Anytime any technology became available, they didn't fail to, to purchase it and to integrate it into the, 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 the output, basically. And they spent an absolute fortune the year I joined on a blaster caster sponsored by Heineken. So if you can imagine an 18-wheeler articulated lorry, a gigantic thing, right, which were the trailer, almost like a, I swear, almost like a transformer. Remember transformers, robots in the skies, remember that? So the trailer would, by pressing a few buttons, would open out into this amazing outside broadcast studio with a proper broadcasting desk, with proper furniture, the microphones and everything. It was brilliant. I mean, it was an amazing thing. The only problem with it was it connected to the main studio via something known as an ISDN telephone line, which was stereo telephone line or stereo telephone lines which was brilliant, great technology. So the stereo telephone line meant meant that you could broadcast down the telephone line and when it got to the other end, it came out sounding like this, right? Not mono, it came out stereo and it came out sounding warm and rich and all of that. But the problem was, this was relatively new at the time and it would constantly drop out during the live programmes, much to the annoyance of some of the radio presenters some of whom were extraordinarily diva-esque. They, they couldn't, couldn't deal with it. I've always been pretty relaxed in a crisis when it comes to broadcasting live radio or television, which I've done as well. I just find it funny. I've never been short of a word or two, so I'll fill and just yap away about total bollocks for an hour if I need to. Filibuster. I'll filibuster the bejesus out of my own radio show. But some of the presenters used to cack it because they, um, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do. But yeah, it used to go down all the time. These days, of course, it's all connected by 
via internet, isn't it? And uh, and Zoom and everything else. So it just doesn't doesn't go wrong. But it used to be very precarious. I remember one year, a an Irish playwright, a Waterford playwright, playwright even called Jim Nolan, had a play in the Abbey Theatre, which is no small beer, right? For a playwright to have his or her play open in the Great Abbey Theatre, and his his play was entitled The Blackwater Angel, which was about a healer. Now, some of my healer friends might know the history of a man called Valentine Greatrakes. Now, Valentine Greatrakes, I'm not looking this up so you'll know that I'm blagging it, So I'm because if I look it up, you'll, you'll know I'm blagging it anyway. So, Valentine Greatrakes was a healer, I think, in the 11th or 12th century. But I'm going to look like a complete arse now when you discover that Great Rakes either predated or post-dated the 11th or 12th centuries. And Jim wrote this very dark play, which never took off, really. It never took off. I was the only one who enjoyed it in the, in the audience, and I very much doubt that Jim Nolan, who's a lovely and very talented playwright and director, he's very talented, right? But I really enjoyed it. I kind of got into it. On the opening night... The, 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 the protagonist, Valentine Greatrakes, was played by John, John, what's his name? The Northern Irish actor. He played Georgie Best. He's very good. John, John. He also played Paul Hill in the film about the Guildford Four. His name will come to me in a moment. But anyway, so this is about this healer, Valentine Greatrakes, who, who's, who was a great healer and was able to cure people of the most awful kind of Middle Ages ailments that you can imagine but his healing powers deserted him one day out of the blue healing powers that he believed had been bestowed upon him by the almighty and the play is about valentine great rakes i'm going to keep saying his name because it's such a great name how he comes to terms with losing his power to heal and carrying on with life and the angst and the angst of dealing with all of that and i remember afterwards I remember thinking to myself, as I went around the more famous attendees, because after the play opened, its opening night, I went around to speak to people, Irish showbiz stars, to ask them what they thought of the play. And I knew by looking at them that most of them had been bored to tears by it, right? They'd been absolutely horrified by the play. I wasn't. I I really enjoyed it. And I think my presenter, who was sat alongside me, uh, Billy McCarthy, I think Billy liked it as well. But I remember speaking to people like Mick Lally, Miley from Glen Rowe. I met, uh, was Gabriel, did I interview Gabriel Bourne? I think I interviewed Gabriel Bourne and asking them, did you like it? Oh yeah, it was brilliant. It was really a rich, a really rich and complex play. Read the writing and all of this sort of stuff. They were lying through their teeth. So they were. They didn't like it at all. But the next day, the reason I'm telling you this story is, is the next day we were broadcasting live either at Jury's Hotel or the Burlington, I can't remember. And some of these uh, showbiz people were going to come on and speak live to us and it was all going to be a big deal and it was very much advertised and sponsored and everything. And sure, the blaster caster didn't work and the old ISDN line went down about 17 times during the two-hour show and everybody was um, filthy, filthy mad. But I didn't give a shit because I've always been like that. You know, shit happens. It's on a bumper sticker. Shit just happens, right? And you get on with it. And what can you do? I've never minded it too much. I'm kind of annoyed today, though, because today being the day uh, in the week that's in it, I, I know so many of you had so much to say about what's been going on 
in Palestine in recent days. Um, I, I Look, I'm not going down the rabbit hole. I doubt it's got anything to do with that. When I complained to Microsoft, the last time this happened was about a year ago. And I complained and then it, it worked again. So maybe it's um, it's just coincidental. But it isn't working now. And I'm sorry I can't do anything about that. So please forgive me. Yeah, Valentine Greatrakes. Have you ever heard of Valentine Greatrakes? No. Anyway, long story short, on the, the Jimmy Savile stuff, Dot is in Grimsby. I love it. Go on, Dot. Dot says, Richie, I was born in 1952. Yeah, old biddy. She says, I was, a, I was a teenager in the 60s. My school pals and I watched the BBC's Top of the Pops. Religiously, says Dot. And we would chat excitedly about the new records and the new bands and new groups. Without exception, we all felt uneasy about Savile. He gave us the creeps, to be honest. Trust your gut instincts, folks, says Dot. And then she says, great show. Not today, Dot. It's great every other day, but today we've we've had to. John Lynch, says Peter. Thank you, John Lynch. Yes, he played Georgie the Belfast boy in a pretty cheap-ish production about George's life, but he did a half-decent job in it. And he was also in the film with Daniel Day-Lewis and Emma Thompson about the Guildford, Guildford Four in the name of the father with a Pete Postlethwaite. Pete Postlethwaite. There's some lovely comedy in the movie In the Name of the Father, isn't there? When when Giuseppe Conlon, the old man, gets sent to prison with his son and Jerry Conlon has a breakdown, doesn't he, in the cell and starts having a go at his father and says to him, I can never get away from you. I got sent to prison and you, you came in here, you follow me everywhere. It's a terrifically well-acted film. If it stretches the truth a bit, which it does, in the name of the father. There are a lot of very dubious claims in the film. Uh, events that never happened, you know. Christopher says, Richie, don't you think sometimes everything has already happened and this is why the plans they roll out are so long in time. They're so long, they're so detailed and they have been, you know, around for so long, he says, so complex, uh, so beneficial to a niche group of benefactors. This is the thing that a lot of people in my social group, which is tiny, you know, many of the people I know intimately, and by intimately, I don't mean physically intimately, morons. I mean the people who I love, you know, the people who I've gotten to know since I began producing this programme. People like Paul and people like Hayden. They don't see things as I see them, or at least they don't see everything as I see it. Which is great. It's very healthy. It keeps me on my toes, you know. And one of the things they struggle with, and they're right to struggle with it because I struggle with it myself, is the idea that the agenda's unfolding now. The things we talk about every day, they have been in play for a long, long time. This is something my friends don't get and make a cogent argument against. Why, Richie? Why would you be involved in the late 19th century and early 20th century? Why would you be involved in dark, satanic agendas to take humanity into the abyss if it ain't going to happen for 125 or 130 years? It's a bloody good question, that, isn't it? Compartmentalisation, I hear you cry. I don't know the answer to it. Um, but I do believe these agendas have been around for a long time, you know. Message me via the Richie Allen Show app. Message me via Richie Allen dot co dot uk
Okay. Lillian says, Richie, you mentioned some diva behaviour by the other presenters on your old alma mater on WLR. You piqued my curiosity. She says, uh, tell us more about that and it might give us an idea as to how the BBC presenters and others behave behind closed doors. No, 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 I I didn't mean diva diva. People who present um, television and radio shows have an ego, including your presenter here. You've got to have a bit of confidence in yourself, otherwise you wouldn't do it. And on some level, you've got to believe that you're good at what you do. And on another level, you tend to be competitive. I'm pretty competitive. Right? When I'm listening to the radio or when I'm listening to a podcast, I was listening to a Joe Rogan interview today. Joe Rogan is a mixed martial artist who does commentary for the the ultimate fighting championship but he's also a stand-up comedian very successful one and he presents a a podcast a long-form interview podcast where he spends two sometimes three hours with his guests and they shoot the shit about anything and i like that kind of thing when i take to the road in my trainers to keep myself looking as beautiful as i am my body i mean i'm not talking about me head like but uh, so I go out and I listen and when I listen to it I'm very fair me you see because I used to be the guy that would have to critique my colleagues I did this in Spain I did it for City and Guilds I would have to listen to your output sit you down and tell you in a way that wouldn't destroy your confidence that you were not to put too fine a point on it you were a bit shit really that was my job for some time Listen. So when I listen to podcasts, I'm very fair and I'm very positive. So I will be listening to um, people interviewing other people. And at times I'll be saying to myself, that was a good question, that. That was a good segue, that. Or at times I will be saying to myself in my mind, the presenter missed an opportunity there. He or she could have taken it in this direction. They didn't hear what they were told by the guest, they missed something there, blah, blah, blah. Presenters are competitive. And most of us like to think, I would imagine, I mean, you don't spend much time thinking about it. It's not like you listen to the output of others and you tell yourself, well, I'm better than that. You don't do it. It's not like that. But you'll put yourself up against it and you'll say to yourself, well, I'm doing okay. Or on occasion, and it's happened with me, I will listen to somebody and I will think, I've got to pull my bootstraps up. So you've got an ego. That's what I mean by ego and divas. You know, divas. Presenters are divas. The presenters are referred to as the talent in the entertainment in- industry in the UK. For some reason, the, the sound people, the editing people, the directors, the producers, the gallery staff, they refer to the broadcasters, the ones in front of the camera, you know, and the ones on the radio mic, they refer to them as the talent. I've never kind of understood that, but uh, but anyway. So to answer that question, Gaz says, Richie, the BBC broadcasts what they want people to know. I think it is still hiding so much about child abuse and it seems the BBC wants everyone to focus on Savile. And we did have another uh, critique, didn't we, uh, of that. Darren says... John Lydon did call Savile out in 78. I saw a clip on YouTube recently. He says, I don't know if children should hear this, but, um, so I'm giving you three seconds to turn me down. 
But he says, I saw a clip on YouTube, says Darren, where Savile has a noticeable arousal, let's say, sitting close to a young girl who must have been around 10 years of age. He even said she was his girlfriend. It was done during Jim will fix it. So anyone in that studio must have noticed it, says Darren. Yeah. Back then, and again, these presenters were very powerful back then. I think presenters back then were more powerful than they are now. Presenters are much more disposable now than they were, I believe. You can argue with me if you disagree. I have no problem with that. But I think back then they had more power. I mean, Savile was on everything, wasn't he? He was basically Britain's most famous television personality back in the 60s and 70s. So, so maybe that was noticed, maybe. And maybe it did make people on the crew feel very uncomfortable. And maybe even, just maybe, somebody reported Savile to his or her superior. And maybe the superior said, well, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching it because ultimately he's Jimmy Savile, isn't he? Kay came on to say to me, pharmacists and staff in my local chemists, they are masked up today. This is creeping in. Number of hospitals in Leicester. I'm hearing some hospitals in Greater Manchester are now asking people to wear masks when they arrive. Is that coming back again? It it seems like it, doesn't it? Will it be something they try to mandate this winter? I'm not sure. Will it be? I don't know. What do you reckon? Let me know via the app, via uh, the website. No takers on Russell Brand and Jimmy Savile. I don't think Russell Brand had any relationship at all with Jimmy Savile. I think he may have interviewed him and they may have bumped into each other at events organised by the BBC or organised by some other producers of, of content. But I, I, I think it's unfair to, to, to lump Brand with Savile. I don't believe that's right, to be honest. But um, what do I know? Isabel says, I read on the Euro News recently that the European Union has approved a €1.5 billion Euro scheme to buy out Dutch farmers to reduce nitrogen emissions. The European Union has approved these plans. The scheme is part of the Netherlands' plan to drastically slash nitrogen emissions, a major source which is livestock farms. And Isabel sends a link. You're very good. Thank you for doing that. Yes, ultimately. And this is where this is where artificial meat um, comes in. We, we've seen, we've read in the national press, haven't we? These schemes where there's, there's even one absolutely grotesque scheme or grotesque idea, which is plausible, which is to grow meat using your own blood cells. Can, can anybody find a link to that so that I don't come across as a crazy tinfoil hat wearing blah 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 yeah but artificial meat and of course an insect diet all of these things are coming no fear mongering on this program these will be the options I mean when you when you have the Hilton Hotel which I don't believe has the clout it once had I don't believe it's the world's biggest hotel chain but it's a big one when they're putting information on menus to advise patrons that if you order this dish Here's the carbon footprint. I mean, it's it's accelerating now, isn't it? To, to the point where it's not a stretch to claim that the crickets and 
the artificially produced meat, meat not derived from actual animals, will be available very soon. I mean, crickets are available. There are people who have gone on the BBC to say that they eat crickets. Yeah, I, I cannot find that very clip, and I have a clip bank of thousands of audio, and I can't find it, but I did play it about two years ago. Somebody went on the BBC to say that they ordered vacuum-packed, um, because there are producers already doing it. There are producers. If you go, I hate to say it, because I hate him, I hate him. I don't hate anybody. Uh, Jeff Bezos. But Amazon, hang on, I'll do it here. I'll do it here. Hang on. I'm going to go on, because I don't want to come across as, I don't want to come off sounding like, um, I'm not going to say anybody in particular because they'll offend you and I've offended you enough hang on I'm on Amazon now right let's go for insect diet I'm typing it in what do we get books books at the moment um, I'm looking at books yeah I'm looking at cookbooks the insect protein pantry 30 recipes using insects as protein. That's one of the books. If I order it now, I'm joking. I'm not ordering it now. It'll be with me by Thursday, Amazon Prime. But yeah, insects as sustainable food ingredients, production, processing and food applications. That's by Aaron T. Dossi and Juan A. Morales Ramos. That was published in 2016. That'll set you back 67 quid. It's all there. Insect pet food. Jesus Mary. And Holy St. Joseph, there's a book which helps you change, which helps you move your beloved dog from his dog food diet or her dog food diet onto an insect pet food diet. So this is all coming down the line, isn't it? And I never, ever, ever set out to depress you because I love you. And I know you love me, dear listener. I know you say things about me behind my back, but I don't mind because you're a diva. You're just as much of a diva as I am. So I don't mind all that back talking behind me back. David Icke said something hilariously funny years ago. We were having a drink in a pub in Wembley. And uh, speaking of divas, uh, Ike said to me, he said, the funniest thing ever was when the BBC would have a party. So he was working for BBC Breakfast with Frank Boff and Selena Scott and others, right? Other on-camera people. And there would have been a big cast and crew for BBC Breakfast when that was launched back in God knows what, 1981. And he said it was the first time he'd ever encountered backbiting. He didn't know backbiting. When he worked at the Leicester Mercury newspaper, there was no backbiting. You know, writers didn't bitch about writers behind their backs. You know, great column today, David. Great column. And then when he went for a cup of tea, that Ike is some dickhead, isn't he? Huh? Huh? So he said none of that went on. But at the BBC, it was the first time he experienced it. That sort of diva, which is all kind of born out of insecurity, isn't it? But he said you would be standing having a lager. Lager was his drink back in the day. When I knew him, he was a wine drinker. Not much of a drinker, but he would have a wine. He would have a glass of wine. Not an alky. He'd have a glass of wine. Anyway, he said, so he'd be standing around at a BBC do, talking to people. And when anybody went to the toilet, um, they were slated by everybody in the drinking circle. Unmercifully. I mean, absolutely strips torn out of him. And it was completely lost on people that um, it would happen then when the next person went to the loo, the same thing would happen. So he said he used to try and avoid going to the loo until he left so they couldn't tear strips out of him, at which point they said, well, they tear strips out of you anyway when you left, kind of a thing. Speaking of diva behaviour, but I've lost my train of thought now. It was probably something to do 
with uh, crickets, what was it? But yeah, crickets, insect diets, artificially grown meat is coming. And they will have machines. You know the way you have a ninja foodie now? Other foodies are available, by the way. I'm not advertising for ninja. So, you know you've got your ninja, right? So, in the future, they will have a machine that looks like a ninja. And it will grow food for you out of blood cells. A nice juicy steak taken from your own blood or something like that. These lunatics, these are the things which will be substituted for meat and dairy. 28 and a half minutes past the year. And you think I'm mad. No, no. No, it's in their own paperwork. No, you're not doing that again. What's wrong with me? It's been one of those days. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. 29 minutes past the hour of the programme this week, sponsored by NutraHealth365.com. Thank you. Lucy says, how's the pub? She's grand, Lucy. She's grand. She's on lead walks only. Has been for nearly a month and will have another month on the lead as her shoulder or soft tissue injury heals up. So thanks for asking. Lucy says, her own puppy is having a seizure a month and I won't let the vet investigate it because I think the vet's warm and flea tablet next guard may have brought on the seizures. I've been researching this with interest recently, says Lucy. Thank you for the tip, Lucy. And if anybody has a dog, just listen to what Lucy said. She thinks the seizure may have been caused by Nexgard flea and worm. She doesn't know, but she thinks it might have been brought on by that tablet. So I would advise if you do have a puppy and you want to worm uh, the pup, maybe avoid that tablet and use something else. Look at the ingredients in any case. Faisal came back to say, Savile was not that big a presenter as such. People like... Terry Wogan and Parkinson were bigger. No, they were not, Faisal. No, they were not. In the late 60s, early to mid 70s, Savile was, was, was the most active and most visible presenter on British television. He really was. Yeah. Now, l- laterally, later on, Wogan would go on to be a behemoth and Parkinson, but not during that time, that top of the pops time. He was huge. He, he, he had no peer, really, in terms of his presence on the airwaves at that particular time. Jenny says they are trying to outlaw anything natural. In Ireland, they are talking about banning baking soda and St. John's wort. Well, they'll never get away with banning baking soda. They're not talking about banning baking soda, Jenny, are they? Is there a link uh, for that? Because bicarbonate of soda is a very good thing. Dear listener, I interviewed an oncologist many years ago called Tullio Simoncini and I turned him upside down on Talk Radio Europe. He was recommended to me by David Icke when I was working for Talk Radio Europe. I had gotten pretty friendly with the aforementioned and I said to him, anybody you think might be of interest to my listeners from a health point of view? And he said, I know an oncologist who believes 
is that bicarbonate of soda is very useful in treating uh, tumours, particularly tumours of the stomach. And I laughed out loud. That was me back then. I said, give over, will you? Baking soda. He said, it's what he believes. He said, you're the right guy to interview him, he said, because you'll give him a chasing. So I did give him a chasing, but I found him very interesting. A chasing is the business term for really going hard on somebody. You know, so give over, will you? Stop it. You're a madman. They were right to strike you off, Tullio, for making up mad stuff like that. He stayed very calm under the barrage because I was never a bully. I would always give him uh, room to, to answer, you see. And he said, no, Richie, I've, I've had great success with it. In, in fact, I will put you on to people that you can vet who had stomach cancer and the tumours shrank and eventually disappeared because they took some bicarbonate of soda every day for uh, the time needed to shrink the tumours. And he explained why. Candida albicans, I think. Does that mean anything, dear listener? I'm on the fly here. I'm on my own here. I don't have any researchers here to look this up for me. But I think he, th- that was it. Yeah. So I interviewed him, Tullio. And then he was on this program about five years ago. And he said, uh, yeah. And when he went public with this, the Italian medical authorities did what medical authorities tend to do. They came after him as if he was a ginger stepchild. As if he was a ginger stepchild. They basically attempted to destroy the man. And succeeded. They destroyed his career. But he never stopped saying it. He never stopped saying it. If you have a tumour in in your stomach, he said, it is my belief, and by the way, I am not endorsing this. So if you have a tumour in your stomach, first of all, I hope you don't. God love you. But if you do, don't listen to me. You know, go and speak to a doctor. Listen to an oncologist, of course. Um, Look at everything, but don't listen to me. Don't take any advice from me because I am not proffering any advice on how to be treated by anybody. But he's a very interesting man, Tullio, yeah. Really interesting. Now, Jackie was on to say, has Lucy, with the dog seizures, considered giving small doses of CBD? Now, while there's no definitive scientific data on using CBD to treat dogs, there is anecdotal evidence from dog owners suggesting it can treat pain, especially neuropathic pain, as well as helping to control seizures. So she might want to look, to look into that. And I'm going to have to have some water. So here's the tune from Annie Lennox. I'm back with some more on Tuesday's programme. Thanks for sticking around. I appreciate you. Yeah, music from Annie Lennox and Walking on Broken Glass. I don't know. 92? I'm going to say 92. And I'll be wrong, it'll be 93, but I'm having a punt on 92. Thank you, Sasha. Sasha says he or she, yes, uh, sells CBD for dogs and humans. It's very helpful for both, says Sasha. If they're arthritic and anxious, it's wonderful stuff. So there you are, Lucy. Bit of CBD might help uh, uh, the puppy, and let's hope it does. Simon says you'll be dead in six months, if you see an oncologist. Well, I know that not to be true, Simon, because a friend of mine has been seeing an oncologist and it has been greater than six months. 
and my friend is doing okay. But I understand why you said that. I understand that chemotherapy, I know they've made breakthroughs or they're claiming to make breakthroughs. I did see a very interesting interview recently with an oncologist who said that they're able to target chemo much better today than they were 10 years ago. Where 10 years ago, the chemo was killing lots and lots of healthy cells in other parts of the body, which is a terrible thing, obviously, because then you die, right? You might shrink the tumour, you might not, but then you die, right? But they're saying these days they are much, 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 much better at targeting the tumour itself and not healthy tissue and healthy tissue cells around it. Don't shout at me. I'm not endorsing that. I'm saying this is what they are claiming. But I understand it. I've often chatted. You might think, Jesus, yourself and your missus, are, you're queer, you're queer morbid, Richie, boy. We're not, but I have said to herself in the past, I had a pretty shitty health scare, didn't I, um, this year, when they said they discovered pleural thickening and other areas of concern on my lungs. Thankfully, it was ruled out by a CT scan. But I was a bit nervous, obviously. Sat down with her indoors. We talked about it and I said, well, look, I'm not going to have chemotherapy. I'm not going to go down that sickness. I'm not going to do that to myself. We'll take our chances. You know, we'll, we'll look around for something alternative. So um, I wouldn't necessarily go down the chemo route. But I'm no lawyer. I would speak to oncologists, God forbid, if I had to deal with that, or my loved ones, any of my loved ones had to deal with it, I would say, yeah, well, look, chat with them, you know. They are making advances all the time. What can you do? Tell me what you can do and we'll have a chat about it. But keep your options open, I would say, you know. Pietro, who is Italian, uh, remembers the interview with Tullio Simoncini. It reminds me of the treatment metered out to Dr. Brzezinski in the US too. You know, I was one of the first people ever to interview Brzezinski. I interviewed him about 12 or 13 years ago. When I say one of the first people, one of the first independent content creators, he was talking about something known as anti-neoplastins. This guy reckons that something in your urine was key to fighting off many cancers. Do you remember this guy? Is it Stanislav Brzezinski? Is that the guy's name? But I remember interviewing him. I interviewed him twice and he was, he'd be an old man now if memory, if my memory hasn't deserted me entirely. Anti-neoplastins. Yeah, because that's what I was doing in Spain, you see, kind of what I'm doing now. Opening the show up to people who couldn't get arrested anywhere else, couldn't get a look in. And he was a fascinating interviewee was uh, Brzezinski. Is that the guy's name? I can't do it here because I'm speaking with you. I can't look it up in any case. Um, Seamus says, Richie, evening everybody. David Rogers Webb is a hedge fund manager. His book, a free download by the way, at www.thegreattaking.com touches on property rights and securities. The book explains how all the legal constructs that have been put in place over the past 50 years or so across the planet will rob us of all we have left. No pot to piss in, Richie. Well said, Seamus. And a classic example of that is energy performance certificates. The future Mrs. Allen and myself, we own our home. 
It wasn't a very expensive home. We threw everything but the kitchen sink at the mortgage. And they tell you, you own it now. No lien on the property, it's yours. But that's a load of old bollocks, isn't it? Because with the energy performance certificates, they'll just keep moving the goalposts. Your your house isn't energy efficient. It needs to have a C. Now it needs to have a B. Now it needs to have an A. What that means is we will refuse you permission to sell your house. We will refuse you permission to take out a small mortgage on the house you own to maybe make life a little bit more convenient for yourself. Because you own your own house, but you're not stupid, right? You know, you're not falling for those ridiculous ads on the telly. You know those release equity in your own property. Those are predatory financial institutions. Release some equity. What they want to do is steal your home. They want you to take out a mortgage with them that you'll eventually default on and then they'll swindle your house because they are a shower of bastards, right? So when you see those release equity, those are the devil, those companies, the devil incarnate. But you might not be, you know, you might do it of your own volition. You might say, well, I need 30 grand, you might say, to do a few things. And I can maybe manage. I'll get a decent interest rate and maybe I'll do that and I'll take out a small mortgage and I won't really be putting my home at risk. It's at that stage they'll say to you, no, you can't because your EPC certificate, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a contrary fecker there, Baldy. You didn't consent to having an energy, a smart meter put in your home, which we haven't consented, at uh, Casa Carolina as our home is called. We haven't consented to that. You refuse to have a heat pump installed. Well, of course, heat pumps don't work. I'm not paying thousands of fucking pounds for equipment to be, to, to be for my garden to be excavated, for equipment to be installed. Thousands and thousands of pounds for a heat pump that won't keep me warm in winter and keep my family warm either. Yeah, but we've embargoed your house. We've embargoed it. We've basically emptied it of equity. It's worth nothing because we say it is worth nothing because you won't do what you're told in the name of defeating the climate crisis. That is how it is going to be. That is not fear-mongering. That isn't bollocks. So it's an excellent point by Seamus. That sounds like an interesting read. There's a great taking.com. Property rights and securities. How they'll eventually get everything you have. They'll keep changing moving the goalposts in terms of what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. It's what they're going to do. It's depressing shit, isn't it, dear listener? And thanks for Busy, uh, too busy even, who put a, a meme, not a meme, but a screen grab on the website comment uk of that story in the Telegraph from some years ago, UK to fast track approval for lab-grown meat with Israel deal. I remember talking about this, saying it'll ease the cost of living crisis. In fact, this would be a much more recent article. But yeah, I remember when the articles first began appearing in the broadsheet newspapers. It was two or three years ago, predating the so-called cost of living crisis. You know, and it was all about climate change. We will grow meat in a lab, therefore drastically reducing the carbon footprint. And ultimately helping to save 
the planet from climate collapse. You know? You know? Rob says, a good interview, he says, by that wretched YouTube doctor, John Campbell. I, I, I see this guy mentioned here and there, John Campbell, but I don't know anything about him. Thanks, Rob. He interviewed Angus, or Angus Dalgleish, the oncologist, um, who's finding data is Dalgleish, suggesting an enormous rise in cancers after the booster rollout. People who were in remission have gone, you know, have have found cancerous comeback. So people who were in remission after the boosters found cancer has come back. Some people and some people have developed turbo cancers. Angus Dalgleish would be a good guest, says Rob. Asked and answered, Rob. I invited him on the programme and he declined. I invited him on the programme a long time ago. Mel says, my dad is now in remission from bowel cancer and uh, and a nodule in his lung. We've used clean sugar, f- sorry, clean sugar-free diets, cannabis oil, bicarbonate of soda and vitamins, says Mel. Thank you, Mel. Appreciate that. Uh, Susan says, Richie, you are on in, st- in the background while I'm cooking, etc. So Susan. None of the flea or warming treatments are better than the others, she says. She says, Bravecto, Simpcaria and such are all of the same ilk. They're basically insecticides and pesticides. They work by paralysing the central nervous system of the parasite. They're not meant to be absorbed into the bloodstream, stream even of the dog or cat. Epilepsy is common um, when, when, when these uh, drugs are used. There are natural alternatives, says Susan. Our listeners are a veritable encyclopedia of information, as usual, aren't they? No doubt uh, about that. Thank you. Okay. Right. Um, where am I going now? I've no idea. Again, if you joined late and you're wondering, why is Richie not speaking to uh, his listeners tonight? We've had a uh, telecommunication problem, which I think is a Microsoft issue, and I apologise for it, but it is out of my control at the moment. I couldn't get anybody to patch in remotely while I was on air, and I'm always a bit nervous about that. While I'm on air, for somebody to be messing around with my screens, in case we go off air as well. You know, I don't want to be going off air as well. But uh, thank you for that. Chris came on to say, read tyranny. And then he mentions a bloke. I can't mention him, Chris, because if I mention him, I'll have to criticise him. You've mentioned this bloke who claimed that he would have Matt Hancock arrested and that he would see him in a court of law. The guy's a bullshitting truther. And I said he would do no such thing at the time and I embarrassed him a bit and he didn't. So no. Will says, my cat had a seizure a few days after taking Dr. Martin's flea and tick tablet. Never again. I'm combing now, which works fine. I don't vaccinate either. That's a good point, uh, Will. We have not vaccinated our puppies, nor will we. And somebody said to me recently, well, you do know, if you don't vaccinate them, uh, no dog boarding business will take your dogs. We wouldn't dream of boarding our dogs. We took a responsibility. And I'm going to sound a bit pompous now, and a bit smug, and I don't really want to, because I'm neither pompous or neither smug. We took a responsibility when we took our canine pals into our family that we would love them and look after them and that we would never abandon them 
and we believe and this might smart a bit because you might take this personally if you've used boarding kennels yourself but I'm not judging you so don't take it personally but we feel it's abandonment that's just our opinion I couldn't do it to either of our puppies to put them in a cage for a week and then swan off to Spain the 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 deal we made and we understood it we understood it implicitly when we took our canine friends into our lives that was a commitment that was hopefully for the next 15 or 16 years that meant you're not going on summer holidays to Spain or to Portugal back to see friends in southern Spain you're not going to see new friends in France no 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 not unless you take them in the car and you do the ferry route which we're not going to do but um, no that, that's the responsibility in my opinion and um, we're very very adamant about that we would never ever put them in kennels yeah just wouldn't be the thing we do some people do it and I don't judge them I'm not a judgmental person but I don't know how they do it do you know what I mean I'd, 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 be, I'd be distracted for the week or two weeks I was away I couldn't put up with it and if you think I'm bad my missus is twice as bad she wouldn't put up with it would not put up with it I'd be listening to my missus for two weeks solid. She'd never shut up. You know, about the dogs, ringing the kennels, asking them for photographs and asking, will you put them on the phone to me? Will you put them on the phone to me? You know? You know, very good. Very good. And Wayne reckons that links which were available on the internet, links which... which clearly demonstrated that um, human meat grown from human blood cells uh, and that kind of thing links are disappearing off the internet which is very interesting you know while this might be happening and we know it's happening at the same time it's happening they're removing any discussion of it on at least on mainstream um, search engines and, and whatnot. that's very interesting if that's going on I wonder why though because they do, um, they do plan to introduce this stuff. Um, Michelle says, share more about how you got the smart meter disabled. We bought a place with one already in and obviously don't want it to remain active. When we arrived, Michelle, there was a smart meter here, but it wasn't active. It was completely inactive. It was display only and not working. And we had to test it. So it had been deactivated by the people who had been in the house before us. Um, and then the power, the energy company got in touch with us and asked us, could they send somebody around to reactivate it? And we said no, obviously. And then we changed our energy supplier to get a better deal. And they said, we'd like to send somebody around to remove the inactive meter and to put in a proper, brand new, state-of-the-art smart meter. And we said, feck off. So we've got this one now, which is display only. We've either got to email them with the readings from it or we, we, we do it over the phone. And by we, I mean the oft-mentioned missus because she does everything, as she should do, because she's a woman. No, no, she does that sort of thing. I have my own duties, of course. But um, that's all it was. It was disabled when we arrived. Yeah, it, it wasn't an analogue meter. 
It wasn't, I'm going to be upfront with you, it was a smart meter, but a deactivated one, which reads out. Okay, that's it for me. Um, strange two hours. Sorry about the phone in. You were gagging for it. I know you were. I see your messages. And you were ready to come on and get stuck in about Palestine and all the rest of it. But it, it, I'll sort it out in the meantime. And I can't say we'll do a phone-in this week because I'm pretty guest-heavy for the rest of the week. But early next week, we'll do a phone-in and we'll have a good crack. We'll have a good yarn. We'll have a good crack, me and you. Thanks for sticking with me and keeping my me company during my technological meltdown. I really appreciate it. The programme this week brought to you by NutraHealth365.com. Thank you to NutraHealth365. You take care of yourselves, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and join me tomorrow at 5 for Wednesday's programme. Slauncha.